Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Training Make Podcast. I am Zach Tellender, and I'm joined with Max Ada. This is episode 20. We, we made it. We're here. We did it, fam. <laughs> episode 20. Uh, let's talk about nationals. Let's talk about um, the, the juggernaut performances, the good ones. Uh, there were a couple bad ones, but um, just in general, I think... I think it's nice to not only talk about the performances at nationals, but we can also give people an insight as to how, you know, national competitions work. The, the typical things that, that come up at national competitions, you know, huge sessions, long waits in between attempts and, and those things. So I guess let's start with, um, you know, the medals. Let's start with the medals. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, just the, the performances we had, but the people we all brought, um, we walked away with medals either in, uh, the uh, 59 category, I guess we'll start from the lightest, right? 59s were Christy Brewer. She scored a bronze on total, uh, and a gold in clean and jerk as a master's. Um, so heaviest clean and jerk in all of the 59s at uh, 36 years old, which is which is really I thought, impressive. I, thought, I think she was 38. 38, 38. 38, yeah. Right. Um, I just remember her from the first time I met her. I don't I don't ever update my information on people I know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like fucking huge performance from her. Uh, I wish she had snatched a little better. She looked she looked really strong in the beginning, and uh, you know, her snatches are something she struggled with. The discrepancy between the two lifts is humongous for her. She's a she's a good clean and jerker, and you know is struggling in the snatch. You know currently, um, but I would have loved to have seen one more snatch out of her and one more clean and jerk. She she made her one thirteen for the American record on her second uh, in the jerk, but then got a press out, um, which was a you know a bummer because those are always like you know little tiny errors because we would have gone for sixteen or seventeen on the third. Um, and you know, would have been an even bigger margin of, of victory there, but any kind of 200 kilo total is the goal for her. She honestly has the ability to do huge, huge numbers, a big total, like competitive in that top two or three in the 59s, if she can put together the lifts. I mean, everybody's, everybody's in that same boat, right? Um, if you can do the lifts, um, but, but, you know, pretty solid. Then, uh, we had other medals, uh, all the, all the national champs were, Alex Chance and Sakesha Johnson. Alex had a a huge day. Um, Again, like, you know, she hit flawless, great snatching. Three for three, made 105. Uh, That was a lifetime PR for her. Um, You know, solid, solid performance there. And then clean and jerks were another kind of, kind of issue for her. She, uh, I felt like there was a a level of fatigue with her. Yeah. So I was just going to say, you know, the performance was she went two for six. She made her opener 118, and then she made 122. Two for three. Two for three. Two for three. Sorry. Uh, what did I say? <laughs> Big difference. You said two for six. She went oh, two five for six. six. Well, we asked for three more clean and jerks, and they gave them to us. So, uh, <laughs> you know, when you've got clout on the internet, they'll do anything. Yeah. Um, no, she— uh, Oh, yeah, you guys so, are juggernaut? Oh, okay. Here's your three more uh, attempts. <laughs> <laughs> I followed back the judges, and they were they were cool. So, uh <laughs> No, uh, yeah, she made she made two. She made her opener, 
made her her second attempt took two tries to make the 122 which is you know it's a great clean trick for her it ties her competition best but the whole story behind it i think and you hit the nail on the head you know we, we talked about this afterward immediately but not in depth with her well, i'll talk to her later this probably today or tomorrow the next time i see her but uh you know the biggest thing was and this is a great example of where big meets and big performances can can surprise you because you don't expect it she came off that snatch that 105 like on cloud nine she's like an 11 out of 10 fucking everything is great comes in the back sits down i don't think she has experienced that before and then having to turn around quick get into the clean and jerk so you know i think she was a combination of a few things that caused her to really like black out and and suffer a lot on the clean and jerk um you know, and they just looked way harder than they have in training, way harder than I expected them to look. But, uh, you know, she was riding high on the snatch, tons of adrenaline, then comes back, can't break out of that quick enough, can't settle down, can't, you know, relax, you know, take that two minutes and just calm down and get set and take her, her time to rest. Then was a little bit early and rushed. The timing was a little bit off for us on the clean and jerk uh, counts. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of this, like, hurry up and wait. And then I think what happened is, you know, we're going into the, the final warm-ups and they're a little bit off timing, maybe a tiny bit longer wait than we want, and they start to feel heavy. And then it's like this this cascading effect of one, you know, one ten feels heavier than it should. Then you have a little bit longer wait than one, you know, fifteen feels heavier than you're expecting. And then your opener is a little harder than you think, and then you're gassed by then, and that starts to kind of snowball um into this like, you know, just not a great clean and jerk session. But I will say that that you know total uh, you know accolades to to Alex for being fucking tough. Um, yeah, I mean just they, they, tough they, as they, nails. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I feel the the perfect word for maybe just competing. And I was thinking just just clean and jerks is uh, momentum. Yeah, and you can get downward. Mo- you can get downward momentum really. Yeah. really fast that's exactly um, that's exactly that's the best that's the best it's so good i think i should have said it uh no that's that's perfect yeah it's momentum right and it's moving yeah. the wrong direction <laughs> yeah no and, and so what's interesting is i actually think that uh her her crossfit background is yeah. what uh it, it's what allowed her to kind of not really give a shit about the momentum yeah yeah like well she like yeah, she she was able to be like, yeah, cool, you know, because that's another that's one of the redeeming qualities of the CrossFitters is oh, for sure. that, that they just don't care, like yeah. or the, or that they don't have time to care. You know, they got to grab the bar and go, and they they have a lot of mental toughness in that way. They're not prima donnas. Yeah. The thing is, though, they start to lose that as the years go by. So. I would agree with that too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those we talk about this a lot. The Jack Clark uh, mental toughness and the definition of mental toughness that, that we subscribe to is the ability to focus on the next most important thing. And that, that you know, she embodied it perfectly there where that first one was feeling rough. And then the second one, she caught it and it was heavy and back and she was blacking out and had to dump it. Um, and, you know, she's stumbling off the stage, like legs are shaking. It would have been so easy to just give in there and be like, I can't do another or do a shit attempt on the next one, Clark it or whatever, you know? Um, but she yeah. didn't, you know, she just yeah. sat down, took a minute. She all he had was about a minute and just got her shit together and decided she was going to make it. And, and it was, yep. it was rough, uh, but she did, you know, and, and the, don't to the victor go the spoils on that. 
Well, let's talk about Shakesha then, who went. What did she get in the she was snatch? F- four for six. She smoked 106 snatch and a 130 clean and jerk. Um, and one pretty easy in both categories, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah she, she was walked, way was, ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, Sakesha, I've only been working with Sakesha. I've known her for a couple of years now, but uh, she only recently started. Uh, we only started working together maybe about, I want to say, six weeks ago. Um, it may be a little longer than that. I don't exactly remember. But, you know, Sakesha had had a, a run of pretty rough meets, um, a bunch of bomb outs, two for sixes, that kind of thing. She was national champion last year. Um, you know, so she's, she's done it. Um, so it's not like she's, she's like, you know, brand new. But, uh, you know, the big thing going into that was, was we need to have a successful meet. And, and it's about victories in the places you can get them. It's not about, you know, we need to hit these big numbers because that's every meet she's been to has been put these numbers on the bar and you have to do them to get what you want. And if you don't do them, then it's a failure. And then, of course, you know, that's a, a recipe for disaster where, you know, you go in and have like make two lifts or miss one and then you're just you know, you're, it's that momentum thing, right? Yeah. You don't yeah. have positive momentum in your training, in your competitions. My thought was like, let's just, I told her this, you know, the strategy was let's just go in and have, let's let's go in and win this thing before we've even touched the bar. And by win it before we touch the bar, I mean like you're going here to have a great time. You're going to have a successful meet. Your whole mindset has to be about enjoying what you're doing now. And, and the process has to be about Let's just focus on doing the things we've done in training really well. And I don't even care about the numbers. You know, and, yeah. she blasted her warm-ups away. Yeah. And like she, she, what's funny, I consistently said the same thing to the lifters. Like across yeah. the board, I said the same thing because in the warm-up room, a lot of people, they get in there and they want to they, – they get nerves, they get jittery. And they start lifting different than the way that yeah. they may or may not lift just because of their, their mental state. And one thing that they do in particular is uh, they, they, they start to try to become snappy or they try to get under the bar and, and you know, stomp their feet really loud and try to be very fast. And, and it's about the look. It's about the aesthetic instead of the goal that they're trying to accomplish. And consistently, I would just say to these lifters, like, listen, you don't need to look snappy with this. You just need to get the bar high. You don't need to you don't need to think about dropping under as fast as you can. You know, you you need to do what you do. uh, And and so that when you get to heavier loads, like you're going to get under the bar. Just make sure that you secure the pull. Make sure that you extend. Make sure that you accomplish what you need to accomplish. I just, you know, I, I consistently was just saying, Hey, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to sneak underneath it and all, and, and all those things. And I think actually Shikesha missed like a 80 kilo snatch in the yes, warm up. 75. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, uh, Oh my God. Like, you know, she's, she's just having a brain fart and you know, I feel like there's some, something to learn about that. It doesn't matter how good, yeah. I mean, we're talking about lifters who are national champions, right. And they're making these mistakes. This is something that everyone can can think about when you get into the warm up room. It's about accomplishing what you need to accomplish, not about changing. Yeah. Well, you it's know? also the I always call that I call that the uh, king of the warm ups, right? You go in and you're trying to you're trying to overpower everything and and crush the numbers and and be as aggressive as you can, right? Um, and and it's just like you know it's like. Uh, <laughs> 
It's it's kind of the equivalent of like a guy driving a big truck, right? It's like you're trying to overcompensate for your fear by by being overly aggressive with everything. And king of the warm-ups doesn't mean shit. No one cares what your warm-ups look like. In fact, I want to see people in the warm-up room looking really relaxed and, and just, just casual with the bar. Because you know when they are, when they're moving everything the same speed, even if it looks a tiny bit slow, it's probably much, much stronger than you think. When they're moving everything really fast and really aggressive, the, you know they're not going to perform on the platform. You can see this throughout throughout every competition. If you, As a coach, you take the time to, to watch the other lifters and coaches and you watch people. The people that are really aggressive in the back and the warm-ups and they're, they're, they look like they're going to be you know dominating everyone on the platform – they're generally not going to be the strongest ones because they're they're trying so fucking hard to make these lifts look strong. Yeah, I you know it's interesting too like <laughs> I was in the back there with you and then on Sunday I was there for 8 hours. Mm-hmm. And so you know, you can't help it as a coach but all you do is observe lifters and their tendencies and the things they do in the in the back room. And there is so much jockeying for position with the cards. Yeah. There's so much other shit that doesn't actually matter. You know, like in, if there was a vacuum, if everyone had their own room and they would lift and yeah. then they were called out of their room, you know, this would be kind of cool. They were called out of their room. They go on the platform, they lift and then they go back to their room to wait till they're called again. Well, that's not what it's like. There's yeah. it's a, it's a shit show. There's yeah. people walking in front of you. There's people everywhere. There's coaches. There's other athletes. There's loaders. And there just becomes this show in the back. Yeah. It, you know, um, and I, think you're, yeah. I think you're right. The more calm you are and the more you don't really care, you know, because warm-ups are warm-ups. You don't see basketball players. Uh, you don't see football players. You know, they do go hard in their warm-ups, but it's all controlled. It's yeah. all it's all for the performance out on the stage, um, and I think people can kind of start to get in their heads in the warmups, and and you know negative things can start happening. Yeah, one one big thing I think that I've learned over the years now, um, especially coaching a lot of women, is that the most important thing as a coach is that you're coaching the person and you're letting that person be themselves. It's really easy to be a coach and adopt a persona or a mentality that is different than who you are as a person and and maybe it conflicts with somebody you know if you're if you've got a person like like uh you know like Alyssa for example who who's total like goofball in the back and who's a total you know you know just likes to smile and be positive and is focused only on herself and you uh, take that approach of like hey you're talking about beating someone or you know um, <laughs> to poke fun at Austin, you're, you're bringing body bags and you're, you know, you're, you're doing all this shit. That's not in, that's not in co, uh, coexistence with their personality and everything is like, it's weird for them. They're going to have a bad experience. So it's super important to, to understand who you're coaching and, and a, appeal to them and, and behave in a way that brings them into the best condition they can be in mentally, the best state. If that person loves to get fired up because you know you slap them in the face and that's their thing, then adopt that and understand that and use it. If that person is not like that, if they're really quiet and reserved and they like to be, you know, methodical and some, you know, play to that, you know. I couldn't what? agree more. I think, I think what's so, like, after you've um, been a, a competition coach, 
because uh, you know I, I've had experiences with a lot of athletes now at a lot of different places, and you have to, you have to change to what that athlete needs. And you also have to change depending on the needs of the training session. So this is outside of competition as well. If there is a training session where there's a lot of volume, you have to find the way to tap into that athlete and how they respond to volume. And then, you know, the switch can be flipped when there's a lot of intensity. So it's a day where they do have to accomplish certain things with certain loads that are somewhat scary. You have to know how to how to change and adapt the way that you coach those two different situations, right? Like, and, and the same thing goes for when you get into a competition room, it's like, you know, for, for some athletes, you can just be like, Hey, like, this is it. All that we need to care about today is what you hit back here. There's one number, right? If we do what we need to do, you're going to hit one thirty snatch back here. And then we'll go out there and we'll see what we need to get for you out there. Right? Like, you, you know, we've done this before. We've seen this, like you can, call upon prior experiences that you've had with that athlete all sort of things to either calm them down like you were saying like you know some athletes need to be calmed down or to fire them up wake them up a little bit sure i think i think adaptability as a coach is like yeah and oh, it, it's number one and the, it, the fundamental there too is like the fundamental is is just comes down to know your athletes right you have to develop a relationship with them you know, that's the biggest thing is that the athlete and the coach, the coaches and athlete and, and team, like everybody's got to spend time learning and understanding who the other person is. Um, when those things break down, that's when that's when shit falls apart, you know. Um, so, yeah. So so let's talk. I want to talk well, we about have, well, uh, Alyssa Allen also medaled. Alyssa, right. Alyssa was in the 81 kilo category uh, and she came home with a silver snatch. Um, and, and she's a good example of where I feel like, you know, uh, we were counting for her at the same time as we were counting for Austin. And, uh, you know, she, she's, she's kind of in that boat too, where she was like, with Acacia, where she, we, we haven't had that breakout meet for her where she really hit her stride and hit her best lifts or her, her competition lifts are much lower than her training lifts. And, you know, again, one of those is just, you know, the, the aspect of competition being a little bit different than training and, and developing the mindset and kind of pulling that mindset out of that person. And, and I think that's the biggest, the biggest goal for her co- going forward is, is, you know, trying to tease out how, how she responds best in those kind of situations. Is it, well, well, is it aggressive? Is it more passive? You know? Um, yeah. And, and again, that's a big learning curve for, for us as coaches to go into situations with, with athletes like that and get them on the right page and get all of us, on the right page so we know how to do it but she's definitely got bigger lifts in her and i know she'll be in better shape the next meet um you know it's just a matter of let's let's put together solid performances there i we would i would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh james as well. yes got james that. got a total total uh bronze total bronze medal. and gold uh no no silver clean and jerk yeah yep yeah, with so a was, power clean and jerk and a power. You know what's funny about uh, Masters records across the board as well. Same with Christy Brewer; she was Masters uh, clean and jerk uh, and total records. Um, maybe just clean and jerk. She, I think she tied her total. But uh, James's lifts were hilarious. In that, you know, there's there. I always say this: there's always two moments when every guy in the back room feels like less of a man. And the first one is when James takes his shirt off to warm up. 
um, and everybody realizes that no one has as many muscles as him or abs. Uh, and two, he is a Adonis yeah. Herculean god. And then two, when he goes to take his third clean and jerk, and he power cleans it on straight legs, uh, you know, which is just ridiculous. But James is just the greatest dude. He's the gr- nicest guy in the world. That was honestly his third clean and jerk was one of the like highlights for me because it was such a, a like I really want him to do well, and it's one of those meets where. You know, he, he shows up, he's always got the power, he has the ability, but to put it together and finally make, uh, you know, a medal like that is just fucking so rewarding to see it. On top of the fact that he was basically going to die about four months ago. Yeah, um, let's talk about that because that is insanity. He had, a, he had a sepsis, he had sepsis from an infection from a botched dental procedure um, that was done on him, you know, and he had this infection and, and he was like... I don't know exactly how sepsis works, but uh, and he, I don't know if he did either. He was explaining it to me, and I'll just give you his rundown. Was normal people are between like a a one and a two on this this you know whatever blood level of something, um, and he was at a seven, so he was yeah. way outside the normal range. He told me that when he he was like James is a, is to give you an example of how much of a freak James is. He was in the hospital in for for weeks. And literally laying in bed for two weeks straight, complete bed rest, had not stood up out of the bed for for weeks, and got up one day with like a, the help of a walker. So he was like dying. I think he dropped down to like 80, 85 kilos or something like that. And and he doesn't have anything to give. So I mean, he was he was literally dying. Uh, and he told us a story about how. He got out of that, you know, and, and he survived, obviously, and he went to this uh, concert and he ran into the nurse that admitted him the night that he came in and she was like shocked. He's like, hey, do you remember me? She was like, oh, my God, you're alive. She was <laughs> she was like everyone that admitted you and all the doctors, we all just expected you were going to die. It, was, it wasn't even like it wasn't even like, oh, man, this guy's way sick. It was like, oh, this guy's probably going to pass away. And it's just unbelievable. And and to make things even more insane, two weeks after he got out of the hospital, so he's been on bed rest for two weeks, basically dead, gets out of the hospital, and in two weeks he's power cleaning 160 kilos, like first workout. So I mean, he's just yeah. he's just you know he's James, he's he's a freak, um, but you know glad that he had the meat he did. I'm, I'm really happy for him because that was well earned and, and and definitely deserved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was so fun being in the back with him. Man. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk. My guy Ruben. Yeah. He um, he also had didn't have the most ideal situation showing up to national. He had a, a chauffeur drive him to the venue, right? Straight from his house. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, he he basically had um like one of those buddy passes that would allow you to. Uh, get on a, a flight for very cheap because I think, you know, a friend of his can hook it up with, with good passes. But the problem mm-hmm. was, I think you are standby or something like that. And there was a huge storm in Houston and they canceled like almost all of the flights. There was only one flight going out. So there was absolutely no chance of Ruben getting a uh, spot. Right. So he woke up at three in the morning and he started driving uh, to Memphis 
And about halfway there, he hydroplaned and was going about 80 miles an hour and went into oncoming traffic. Thank God there was nothing coming his way. Blew out his, basically totaled his car, but his car was still drivable. So uh, he took, he had a couple tickets, I think. um, And then he drove the remainder of of the way with no back windshield (laughs) and then he got there i saw his car in the parking lot (laughs) yeah it was it was a it was horrible um and also he has he's had like a lot of really bad personal family issues that he's had to deal with he's had you know there's sickness in his family and he got there but all, all things you know considered he showed up and he was ready to compete snatches went well he went two for three and then Mm-hmm. clean and jerk his first clean and jerk they called him on a press out uh and then second one they called him on a press out and then the third one he ran out of steam similar to like uh alex i would say yeah. even though alex was able to to finish um you know she was capable of much more that meat and i think he just ran out of steam and what i want to talk about really with this is press outs and and press mm. outs in weightlifting and i'll i'll Here's my TED talk on press outs. Okay. <laughs> press outs have turned into something that it are, is no longer a functional issue. It's purely an aesthetic. And what I mean by that is it's no longer a bobble in the elbow that is a result of locking out and unlocking or maybe never locking out in the first place. It is purely a thing where the judge sees some something weird. The judge doesn't see a perfectly you know, perfect lift. And so they press the red button. It's binary, right? So they see something and they're like, ah, that was weird. Let me press the red button. Right. And then, and, and now it's kind of like a perfect example of this is the, um, the lift that Q had, Mm, um, one Oh nine, the, the, the American record, uh, she walked out, she walked it out. It was an ugly lift. Yeah, Whatever. It was, it was a. It was horrendous. It was horrendous. But if you watch her elbows, they are rock solid the entire lift, the entire time. She's wobbling back and forth. She's walking down the platform. But it's an American record, and her elbows are locked out the entire time. And she got. I think she got three reds for that. So she. Ma- wa- yeah, she makes a lift, and then uh, she got whites, I believe, and then it was overturned. Or, or it took okay. forever to get the reds. It took forever to get right. the whites. So, so the thing is, like, that's bullshit. That's inherently wrong. That's not the rules. But yet, so we live in this world now where it's like, if obviously we want perfectly locked out elbows. And at the end of the day, like, if you're not perfectly locking out a jerk, like, there's work to be done and you can be better. I'm not making an excuse for that, but what's happening is this judgment. This thing is, it's turning into something other than what the rule states, right? And, and we saw it consistently. You know, that's a tough, it's, it's, what, what's tough is that the, the entire, the entire sport is predicated on the idea that the judges have control and in, an influence on the actual performance, right? It's not that okay, you know, the lift is made and then there's arbitrary rules, right? Uh, there's no judges at the end of the finish line for the 100 meter, right? You, you run the 100 meter if you don't cross the finish line by, you know, it's, it's not even a question, right? Um, and there's, there's technology used to capture who actually got across it first. In our sport, it's, 
it's essentially an objective sport in that we lift certain amounts of weight and whoever does it makes the, you know, is the winner. But we, we give this, this control to coach, to referees that somehow, you know, are able to, I guess, assess whether or not something happened correctly. Uh, you know, and, and there's this, this level of subjectivity to it based on the coaches. Um, you know what I mean? Or sorry, not the coaches based on the referees, life experience, right? Um, and so it becomes this funky issue, I think, uh, with the press out and all these things. Unfortunately, as a coach, it's just the way it is. You know, it sucks that there's lifts that are given to you and lifts that are taken away. You know, my my general consensus on it is that I just have to, you know, bite my tongue and accept the, the losses and then, you know, uh, take the victories when we get them. I, yeah, I, and you, you just you ultimately have to just be better. Yeah, and right? I, yeah, you know, you just have I have to make the lift look better. I think the best coaching cue you're ever going to get in your life is three red lights. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, that, listen, this podcast's name is Training Make Podcast, and the reason why <laughs> I listen, and the reason why I made it is because the term Training Make is stupid. Right, it's bullshit. It's meaningless, and I think it's just like this podcast. Just like this podcast. <laughs> You guys can all smash the unsubscribe button now, please. <laughs> this piece of shit podcast. Let's see how many down to. thumbs we can get on this. Yeah. Actually, probably <laughs> probably not a good idea. No. No. Uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a contrived, it's a stupid thing to say that it's a training make. And I think it's like we're trying to, it, it's a meme. It's. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny I'm you not, say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 I don't care. Like, yeah. training, everyone wants to make their podcast a serious name, like strength and all these different terms. And for me, when I was making it, I thought the term training make is always so funny to me. Yeah. Because it, it literally, it's like, first off, making lifts and training don't matter. In right, this sport, right. Right. Yeah. Second off, you're talking about a lift that actually wasn't a made lift in training, but we're going to call it a training make. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like, it's one of my, one of my, biggest fucking pet peeves is when people label something the unofficial record the the whole fucking point of records is that they are the most official recording of something accomplished i don't care if you did a you know if x lifter anywhere in the country does a 250 kilo snatch and calls it unofficial record it's not a record there is no such thing as an unofficial record. You can't. It's an oxymoron. You can't max. That's break, what we call oxymoron. Right. You can't break unofficial things. It's not. No one records that. No one keeps track of that because it doesn't matter. <laughs> and it's this funny thing that, like, the whole idea of training make. Now that you say it, I realize is is putting this thing on its head. The idea that you know training lifts and training makes are so, are solely the the byproduct of people that are only concerned with the number on the bar. Right, they're only concerned with oh, I did it. it I I need the accomplishment. I need the the participation trophy to to you know boost my ego up because right training makes me nothing. It's it's you know I just, I'm gonna call it a good one. What's that? There was this guy I saw on Instagram. Someone posted it. It was a powerlifter guy, and it was it might have been a meme page where the guy was doing like a military press and and you know gets it about halfway up and then just kind of runs it into the rack and slides it up. It was just really ugly. <laughs> he turns around and instantly, instantly. Yeah, go, yes. I'll call. Yeah. What, what did he say? Uh, 
I'll call it good or something like that. Or yeah. uh, it's uh, like that's a training or I don't that know. That counts. That counts. Yeah. It was just <laughs> so awesome. You got to put that on this. You got to put the B roll on there somewhere at some point. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex, you yeah. hear us? We're demanding. <laughs> we're demanding the images that you put over the top of this. Um, okay, I, I really want to move on and, and yeah. talk about. So do I. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just want to move on from this podcast. <laughs> I want to move on in life. Like, you know what? The thing is, once this podcast gets to a certain size, or if it doesn't, you can just turn around and be like, you know, it was a training make. It was a training yeah. make. That whole yeah. podcast was a training make. Yeah, it was just a yeah. Okay, so I want to I, this whole this whole topic right here is basically going to be about the bastardization of the terms functionality. And the terms specificity, right? Those have now been used. Those two terms have been used as like weapons for people to convolute their ideas, to conf- put so much confusion around training, to to basically confuse anyone who wants to understand the reasons or or the the ways that they do things to make themselves sound legitimate um, and. There's, there's one post in particular that I saw recently, and it was, it's by a guy named Dr. Joel Seedman. Um, and it's the, the headline is, Stop Squatting ATG, which means ass to grass. And my assumption here is that this post, this, the things that he's saying in this post are somewhat of, they're, they're kind of like clickbait. Right. Mm. He doesn't actually mean the things that he says, which is interesting. Right. Because in my opinion, if you say something, you should mean it. Right. Like if you say a sentence that you believe in, you should be able to back that sentence up. And I'll tell you why this guy doesn't end up doing so. But if his idea of tracking or getting traffic to his page is saying something ridiculous and then either backpedaling or putting a bunch of studies in your face that will confuse you. This guy is not a good guy. That's, that's not how coaches should be. But anyways, here's his post. Uh, here I have my awesome athlete, Blant, whatever the guy's name, performing eccentric isometric squats with proper depth using the hanging band, band technique on the band bell bar, which is like a tsunami bar. It's a bamboo bar that wiggles back and forth. Um, With that said, when it comes to squat depth and range of motion, this should be determined primarily by your training goals. Okay, I can get on board with that, right? Like if if your idea, if, if you're saying that squatting low, squatting ass to grass or squatting below parallel, it would... It, it goes along with training goals that would require you to squat low. That that kind of makes sense. And if you are squatting high or you're squatting at parallel and it's because of your goals, that makes sense as well. But here's where things get ridiculous in the things that he says, right? So mind you, the last sentence he said, range of, this should be determined primarily by your training goals. So here's what your training goals, <laughs> here's the next sentence. If your training goals are, decreased strength, increased joint pain, degradations to natural body mechanics, herniated discs, sciatic issues, chronic low back pain, 
blown out knees, foot and ankle aberrations, decreased jump performance, degraded gait mechanics, constant muscle tightness, and the need to continually perform foam rolling, stretching, soft tissue work, cupping, dry needling, and other therapeutic modalities to eliminate the associated pain, then keep squatting ass to grass or below parallel. However, if your goal is improvements in size, strength, performance, power, body mechanics, muscle function, posture, and proprioception, balance, stability, and mobility, as well as decreased joint pain and muscle tightness, then you will want to squat between 90 degrees or 10 to 20 degrees above parallel and parallel slightly below 90 degree joint angle. Remember, it all comes down to training goals and objectives. Max, what do you think about that? Right? Like I don't think about those people, but uh <laughs> the you know the I mean he, he's he's making a correct statement in saying that your training goals should dictate the means used and the methods used. But uh the yeah I, I think he's he's incorrect in in his assessment of squatting to you know to full depth whatever you want how you define that I guess below below 90 degrees or what weightlifters would do as being something that's going to essentially require that you do foam rolling and some other kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, for one, you're never required to do foam rolling uh, or any of the other shit. But uh, the you know, reality is like, yeah, I mean, he's in, he's totally incorrect in his assessment that low bar, or sorry, low bar, that uh, squatting to full depth is somehow going to reduce the training effect of squats and somehow is it going to hurt you or put you in a position that's bad you know from the standpoint of squatting high or squatting like quarter squats or half squats those definitely have an application for certain athletes i mean you know sprinters and 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 the like are not necessarily really don't need to squat all the way down um, and in fact it may be you know a detriment to their training but you know i mean i think his assessment's fucking <laughs> completely wrong well, don't you think it's hyperbolic? Like, yeah, it is. Well, it's, it's, here, you know, it's here's like, the thing. If he's being hyperbolic to meme people and to get people and to get traction, then fuck him. And if he's being hyperbolic because he believes in the things that he's saying, then fuck him also. Right? Like, those are two... <laughs> you don't, you they, don't leave him any options, Zach. Well, so my thing is, like, here, immediately by saying, you know, if you want to squat low, it depends on your training goals. Right? Yeah. If your training goals are decreased strength, increased joint pain, degradations in natural body mechanics, insert negative connotation here, then do then squat below parallel. What you're essentially doing is saying that anyone who does those things has the goal of hurting themselves. Yeah. And that anyone and then and then following that he says, you know, if your goals are to impre improve size, strength, performance, power, body mechanics, muscle function, then squat above parallel. That is the dumbest shit I have ever heard. Who can talk like that? What? That? I'm sorry, I'm getting fired up over here, but like, you, you know, know the, the biggest problem it doesn't with, make sense. Yeah, the, the the biggest problem is that this industry, the industry as a whole, has has zero barrier to entry so you know yesterday you could have been a, a guy working at starbucks you know and then tomorrow you can be a strength coach or whatever oh, but coach. max he's a doctorate well, he's got a doctor in front of him so yeah so he know, this, i guess he's right then my bad 
Um, <laughs> but I mean, like in, in, in any case, right? I mean, outside of that, you could be a doctor. It doesn't mean you know anything about, you know, your, your credentials don't, your credentials don't make up the entirety of your base of, of capability. I mean, being a doctor is impressive. There's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't, you know, I mean, there's plenty of doctors that have no idea how to, uh, you know, how to coach somebody or how, how any of this stuff works. And maybe they have no, you know, I mean, like, you could be a fucking proctologist doesn't mean you know how to fucking coach someone in weightlifting. You know, you're a doctor. <laughs> um, so not all things are necessarily equal there. There's There's got to be a, a rational judgment of somebody's ability based on multiple categories, right? Their, their formal education, their their experience, their knowledge base, what they've proven they can actually do. Um, you know, it's like this guy could be fucking great. Maybe he's just got one really bad post on there. Most likely not. But, you know, the, the, the reality is like there's so it's so easy to just say anything you want. And, and if you say it enough, it makes your opinion correct, right? It's this like correct by consensus thing where you have – Enough people repeating the same trash over and over and over again somehow makes it right. And the other thing, too, is like the number of followers you have and the amount of, you know, quote unquote clout you have somehow gives you this, this in the industry gives you this, like, oh, yeah, well, that guy's a good person to listen to. We, I fall into the same boat, right? All of us fall into the same boat. We're yeah. all sitting there saying something, but has anyone ever actually produced anyone good or done it multiple times? I mean, a little bit to some degree in some places, yeah. But well, so let there, me let me play devil's advocate here with this guy, right? So he has yeah. professional athletes that he trains, right? And so the answer to that is if, if someone comes to you that's a professional athlete and then you do your whatever, your tsunami bar squats to above parallel and you say, see, look, I have NFL athletes. They're doing this thing too. That, I mean, that's essentially what this guy is doing on well, that. So what, right? you, what you've got to do is, as a consumer of the information, you need to put yourself in the in the right mindset, the right f- framework to understand what is actually, you know, what what is the the, uh, you know, necessity of someone like this. What can this guy really do to impact somebody else's results? You could have a hundred NFL Combine guys under your belt, but does does the NFL Combine prep guy actually have a significant impact on somebody's ability to play football? Maybe not. Maybe it's very low. So our expectation or interpretation of what people's jobs are, their ability to impact something, may be skewed. So you have to address your own incorrect thinking about it. You know, a good example would be. You know, you look at a, a weightlifting coach who has a bunch of good lifters under them. Do they just recruit people? Are they, you know, if, if it's that easy for them to just recruit really good athletes and push them through and do that, is coaching that big of a deal? Should you really put any kind of weight or that much weight on what a coach says? Um, does that make sense? And, and that may not be the best example, but we may all have a skewed perception of what somebody who's an expert, their actual worth um, you know, somebody posts a million times about how to squat or how to bench press or something doesn't really mean anything that they may seem like they have the right answer because they're giving an answer that's very basic to a lot of people, but it's not, it's not really like, yeah, that's great. That's, that's common knowledge in most bench pressing and squatting circles. Right. Um, and, and the validity of a coach like this guy who, you know, you have a bunch of NFL athletes under you 
are you impacting them positively? And if you are or aren't, do we actually have to just stop and reassess our our understanding of what a coach like that can do for someone? Maybe he can't do anything. Maybe he's, you know, maybe he's, it's pointless. Maybe these coaches really don't have the impact we think they do. Or maybe it's the other way around. But the point being that it's important to understand your own shortcomings and understanding what these people actually are capable of or what a position, you know, professional can really do. Well, let me, let me um, legitimize kind of my main issue with this, right? I actually, and I, I agree with you, I don't take issue with people doing 90-degree squats. And I think there's no. actually, there, there, there can be some performance gain from this, right? Well, I mean, why not? Like, of course, you know. Um, and my issue is I don't actually think that this guy believes what he's saying. He's saying something, like I said before, to be hyperbolic, to be yeah. contrarian, to to cause an, an, uh, a stir. And the reason I say that is because, so like someone says, so what should someone competing in Olympic weightlifting do? Squatting below parallel is inevitable when doing heavy cleans. How are we supposed to train for that if we shouldn't be squatting below qu- parallel? He goes, uh, periodically incorporating deep catches is the key. Then after several quality reps, do maybe two sets of 90-degree squats to help restore the optimal length-tension relationship of the muscles. Right? And honestly, I don't have an issue with that answer. But it doesn't go along with the words that he said, the way that he speaks. This is, what's, this is what is really important to me, and this is – I actually enjoy the things that you say, Max. I'm going to give you – I'm going to gas you up a little bit here. Uh, don't let it get to your head. You're oh, still a piece oh, of shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> basically, I, I like that you're very to the point. You don't want to confuse people. You want to give them the truth. And you you don't want to give them an easy, sexy answer. Right? It. And that's honestly, I try to do the same thing. Well, I don't need to sex the answer up when you've got my face com- right here. <laughs> could could overload people. Can I just get through a thought, please? Can, <laughs> Sorry. Can you, <laughs> so, so no. The point is, the, the 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 issue that I have is the literal words that he said in 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 the the caption, that wall of text that he said, right. If your goals are to insert negative thing here, then squat below parallel. If your goals are to insert positive thing here, uh, then squat above parallel. There we go. And then when people take issue with it, he's consistently pleading with them to read his 10-page article. Right. And he's answering them with somewhat legitimate answers that don't coincide with what he said. That's really my main gripe. And I feel like, why do we have to create a culture where you put out that first wall of text and then you have to kind of consistently backpedal and comment? Is it, is it honestly to get traffic to to you? Cause that's what I'm thinking it is. I'm thinking this guy's, you know, a pretty good, like, marketer in that sense but at the same time that literally means he has no soul right (laughs) he like well that's you know that's and that's that's the point right is that the the unfortunate aspect of the unfortunate aspect of this whole this whole industry is that it's so 
it's so easy to to get to a place where anyone can jump in and do anything and the, the your your capabilities and your uh, actual results are less important than what you can sell somebody you know and, and also i think that you know you have to have some some level of belief that in the end the the truly good coaches and the truly good people in the industry will will rise to the top because eventually you know the the charlatans and the people shilling trash will eventually subside or fall apart um if you're if you know if you're a coach whose focus is on doing the best job you can for the athletes you work with and and you you know are one of the good people one of the people that is doing a great job then you're going to go far and and i think it will it will always play into your favor because eventually the people that are that are not that are full of shit or doing this to just simply gain attention are, are going to fall apart when when time comes you know eventually you'll have so many you know whatever you know failings and shortcomings with the actual results you're trying to get that people will see it yeah all right man uh well here's the thing man we went past our 40 minute yeah our, our 40 minute I, I i apologize to my listeners you guys can just it's, stop at 40 minutes it's really bad they won't know that because i said it this time though yeah go back and, and go to 40 minutes and stop put a disclaimer betra- <laughs> put a disclaimer to let them know they shouldn't listen past 40 we have betrayed you and i apologize tremendously listen guys again um go to the youtube the training make podcast youtube our last episode has 15,000 views alex is doing a tremendous job with these um so kudos to alex and definitely check these things out like if you know if you don't know who alex lachance is go there and there will be a video over the top um of her lifting and and so on and so forth there's always examples with videos of what we're talking about um that's it man max you got anything you want to say i'm good all right guys thank you so much for listening we'll catch you on the next one